Thank you, brother. Good evening, Christian friends. And a special good evening to those ministers who stood in that solution. The Lord God bless you, my brethren. I am with you 100% in this gospel, too. And I brother more just told me some, approximately 200 of them in here, of this gospel preachers tonight. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. And may the Lord ever make his grace to shine upon you and give you the exceedingly abundantly above all that you could do or think. It's my prayer. This is the night when we gather together for the closing of a meeting, which is always a sad time, yet a blessful time. It's usually more healing than the last night than there is all the rest of the night stuff together. And when you were singing that glorious old song of all go only believe all things are possible, only believe. I was thinking of that. Of that who wrote that song? Paul Rader. How many ever knew Paul Rader? Does anybody know Paul Rader? Sure, a wonderful man. Not long ago I was standing in his in the very place where he wrote the song. And it was coming in over the the ether waves of only believe, and I was thinking of Paul. I tell you, I'm kind of a temperamental person, and when I heard that and know that Paul Rader perhaps sat on that same chair when he wrote Only Believe, and they were introducing me to the platform, oh, I just couldn't keep him crying. I just something just dripped down in my heart. Paul Rader. I was thinking when he died here in California the remarks he made. He told a very personal friend of mine who's a bosom chum. He said, Brother, if I'd have sold my message of grace to the Red Hot Pentecost instead of coming over here doing what I did, I'd been better off today. That's right. I'd say amen to that. <laughs> Just a while ago I was talking to Brother Schuler, Jack Schuler, having a meeting here. He said, Brother Branham, he said, when I come into Fort Wayne, I followed you. I told him, I said, Brother Jack, I never come here as your competitor. I come here as your brother. He said, well, I heard what you've been doing down there. He said, just shut the woods. He said, that's fine. I said, well, Brother Schuert, um, my ministry is more afraid for the sick. He said, stay with it, Brother Brandon. I said, uh, what's Pentecostal people? He said, I'm Pentecostal too. He said, what is a Pentecostal person, Brother Brandon? says, the fellow that's all the Orthodox Methodist got a whole lot of spirit about him. <laughs> that's pretty, <laughs> that's a lot right. <laughs> he said when he was in Fort Wayne, that as soon as I got there, of course, some of the dry starches, you know, I had something to say after my meeting. He said, the brethren, Brother Billingsman of the temple there, he was backing up my meeting where I was at. He said they went out there and got a girl that was a perfect maniac. She was insane in all the institutions. They put her in a house and she jumped through the window. She jumped through a two-story window once, out from a two-story, fell into the yard and hurt herself. Perfectly insane. No nothing or nothing. Was brought to the meeting and made perfectly whole. So he brought that person right up to the platform and said, here she is. I don't want to hear more criticism about Brother Brand. That's it. So that was all. So that was all. Yes. Brethren, there's a whole lot of them out there in those denominations with us in heart. <laughs> and Brother Jack Schubert is a fine man. You hear me say the first night I come here. He give me a little something, but it's his own slogan, so I guess I can pass it on. As he said, Brother Brand, no doubt a lot of people talk about your divine healing, praying for the sick. He said, they talk about me and dramatizing. He said, he told me I could pass this on, so I will. He said, not long ago, somebody said, Jack, why don't you quit all that there dramatizing? 
all that carrying on like that, and just preach Christ and let it go. He said, Are you a fisherman? I said, Yes. So what do you use for bait T-bone steaks? said, No. So what do you use? said, Worms. He said, Do you like them? I said, No. So why do you fish with them for? So that's what the fish bite on. He said, That's what it's called. <laughs> So, Brother Ben, that's with your ministry. When you come to town, people expect you to pray for the sick. So now I come to town to look for the drama. So not because we want to do it, but that's our ministry. That's right. Let's stay with it until Jesus comes. That's right. Let's stay right with it. Amen. Now to this meeting. I've been to Phoenix, I think this is three or four times I've had services in Phoenix. But I'll say this in the depths of my heart. This has been one of the most pleasant times I've ever stayed in Phoenix. My boy just met me, Brother Sherrick comes and gets me at night and brings me up. Billy meets me here at the door and brings me on in. And Brother, as we were coming down, we were talking, Billy met me there and he said, I said, well, son, what about it? He was having a little satchel in his hand, said, they give you a love offering, Dad. I want to thank you. I said, what about the offerings? He said, everything is paid up clear and they had some left over to go into the missionary. God bless your gallant soul. But the best of my knowledge, I'll do the best that I can with it through the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. Thank you kindly, and may God richly bless you and repay you a hundredfold for all that you have done. And then there won't be no debts left in the city and so forth. Everything will be clear. And our missionary offering is a couple hundred dollars or whatever it was left over out of the other. will be placed right into the missionary offering. It'll all go for overseas work, which I know you'd be pleased with that to know that that's an in my love offering. Whatever it be, two or three hundred dollars when I get home, or whatever it may be, uh, what debts I have, I'll pay it going right into the meeting, and what's left over that will go right straight into foreign missions. That's exactly the truth, and God knows that to be true. I thank every one of you. I want to pay a, a salute to my brethren and sisters, the sponsors of this meeting, and the cooperation of these pastors who come and put not only their presence, but their time and their heart in the meeting. You've been wonderful, my dear brothers and sisters. And if we never meet again this side of the river, we'll meet at the other side. I trust that soon I can return to Phoenix for a longer meeting. There's one thing we need here in Phoenix is either a great big auditorium, seat eight or ten thousand people, or bring a tent. That's the best. And then stay till it's over. That's right. That makes me feel doubly welcome back, and I, I appreciate it. I'm your friend to help you at any time that I can. Now, to the laity. That we can't have a church unless we got the laity. You know, the pastor can't do it all. It's got to take the members in the church. Each one of you has helped support this meeting with your finance. You have supported it with prayer. And tonight, if schedule works out regularly, Two little women have been hid away in these eight days of the meeting. You've been fasting praying for this meeting. That's one of the reasons that it was a success. That's right. And may I trust this air here tonight. I was told to me a pretty good authority, which I believe is authentic. So I appreciate you, sisters, and I appreciate you, not only them, but others who've been fasting and praying to, and backing me up with your wonderful faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, when I stand around a group like that, that wall of faith around, you don't get scared, I can tell you that. There's something that stands right by you and makes you know that 
something's with you. Then we're putting up with that old sad brass preaching of mine. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not a, much of a preacher, but you even rallied at it, so I, I thank you. <laughs> That's a lot of grace. <laughs> I appreciate you very much. I want to thank you, each and every one. Now to another. This brother Ballard here. I never knew him very well, but this is his name. He is the one who called me. I heard him at the ministerial breakfast the other morning. Heard him speaking for the first time. And besides a Christian, he's a diplomat. That's right. He's a fine brother. Not only that, but I met other brothers and sisters there who were real, consecrated men and women of God. The very backbone and heart of Phoenix. That's right. Brother Schuler said in these three weeks, I think he'd had 500 except Christ. I don't know how many we've had here, so we believe when we both leave tonight that things will be better off because of your all cooperation with us in these evangelistic meetings that's been going on in Phoenix. If Jesus had come along, there'd be at least a thousand people going where we would not have went otherwise. So we thank the Lord. Dollars and cents could never count those souls, could they? Never. Never. And God will bless us and live right on as we have with more than we did have in the beginning. Now the Lord be with you. Another person I want to recognize here tonight, and that's my good friend, John Sherry. Thank you. Many of you may not know him. The little fellow who stands back has nothing to say. He's, I didn't mean a little fellow. That brother's corrected me. He weighs about 220. <laughs> and, he, and me, call him a little fellow, because you imagine that? But what I mean, he's just as humble as a baby. Just a very fine fellow. And his dear old gray-headed mother, and her and his wife and his children, we salute them with the respect that only a Christian can do. Peace be unto their homes from now on. They take us right in and give us the best that can be done and... Oh, my. I just can't express how we feel about the Sherrick family. God bless them. Give them long life. And many of you know John Sherrick, how he comes to be what he is now. Because of humility in his heart. When a minister come here and John Sherrick owned a little bitty cabin of a house, and this minister had nothing, the Lord told him to give that house to the man. All he had, and he took his wife and their clothes, the best of my knowledge now, and left and went up somewhere and put her in a garage and lived up there and taking care of somebody's buildings and things up there for the rent of the place. Working down here and had to borrow enough money to go into business from somebody here in town and you know what God has done for him. And he's never got his head swelled up. He's just the same dear old brother Sheridan he used to be a long time ago. And I don't know, I hope you don't get angry with me for saying that, but not long ago, that man was on the streets of a city selling apples and nickel teeth to take care of a widow's mother. God bless his gallant soul and may he live long. That's right. And now he's taking care of a lot of widowed mothers. Everyone comes in, he'll put them somewhere and take care of them. God bless them. Now, another person I want to recognize tonight is, I don't know the man, I don't know where he has a representative here or not, but if this man has got this light, I just greatly, I believe it's called, the man has got that light. I never heard of the man. I guess he knows nothing about us. But yet, with that courtesy, we say, God bless Mr. Bailey, and may his church stations ever remain. Amen. Bye.
Mr. Blakely or your representative here or whoever it is, that's the way we all feel. If I ever in Arizona, I'll know where to buy gas, please. I think the people feel the same way. Anybody that's got a heart to help us in this great time of crusade, we're very happy. He never, that's not a commercial, that's not a thing, that's some pure love for my heart for the man. That's right. That's right. There's not one thing he ever asked me to say one word. He never asked anything to be said. I just feel that way about it. That's right. And that's the way we feel about it, every one of us. Somebody who's interested in our Lord Jesus Christ, we're interested in his welfare. Is that right? Because he's our brother. Now we, we pray that God will bless all. Now, next is for this arena here. I'll be called Madison Square Garden. I've been in Madison Square Garden in New York, a little larger, but I wouldn't be any more welcome. <laughs> That's right. To the custodian. There's a man who happens in out here at night with a flashlight. I don't know if he has a parking here or something. A fine gentleman. He's about the only one that I know personally that has anything to do with it. And to you who are here, the custodians or the uh, businessman or whatever it is, they see to this, we thank you from the depths of our heart for opening up your doors. And may, when you come to the land of glory, may Jesus Christ open up the doors for you and receive you in to his kingdom. It's our prayer. God bless you. If we could be a favor to any, we'll be glad to do it. Now, tonight, then it's the last night, and it really has been a healing service and a great pleasure. One thing more I want to say before I leave to Brother Jack Moore and Brother Brown. They've been with me through thick and thin, and they're here with me tonight and been with me through this meeting. And I, I just, oh, I don't know how to say about those brothers. They're just, well, we're just one in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and so I trust you tonight now that God will bless you. May every one of you live, and I live, to see one another again in a great meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. May God bless you. To the white, to the Spanish, to the colored, to the Indian, to whoever it is, Peace be unto you. God bless you, my friend. Now I wish to read some of our Heavenly Father's words, and then I'm going to have prayer for the handkerchiefs. Many of them are here. Um, oh yes, I just remembered my wife told me to to thank the lady that made some little Indian dresses for one for each of my little girl and for the wife, too. I dressed her up in this morning, took her pictures. She's an Indian now. <laughs> All right, thank you, Connie. Someone sent us a cake and had on there to the little Eskimos and Brother Branham. Thank you. Somebody give Billy Paul $2 to give me. Thank you. I was leaving this afternoon. A fine young man came and said, Brother Brandon, you must take this. And they did in my hand. It was six dollars, five dollar bill, and one one. God bless you, my brother, and do everything. If I've left out any, you forgive me. I'll miss them. Catch you all. Now, in the scriptures found over here in the book of Acts, I want to read first, and then found in Acts the second chapter and the 22nd verse. Now, I'm just going to read and give testimony, and tonight I'm going to spend all my time in a prayer line praying for the sick. You, I want to call just as many across the platform as I can, see what our Lord Jesus will do for us. I've been in prayer the last few hours, 
asking God what to do and how to do it. Now, what if God will hear my prayer? May there not be one feeble person in this building when it's left. I wish there was some way that I could. We used to have the old fast plan where we called people to drive through. I don't know. Some of them think that's still good. But it crowds the people up and so forth. It is a personal contact. That is right. But if you just take this to note and believe with all your heart, now this makes it fundamentally fact, see, that what you see our Lord Jesus, it isn't a man, see, and you're sitting amongst the cream of the crop of Christians, see, and you're right there where all the prayers are going up out there, right there where the Lord here moving over the people. Well, that's the, the very thing that does the healing, isn't it? It's the very essence of healing. Now, listen here now, I'm going to speak of Jesus, the Son of God. 22nd verse of the second chapter of Acts. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. Let me give Peter's uh, address here to you again. Ye man of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you also are written. Who was he saying about Jesus of Nazareth? God approved him by what? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, I'm going to read what Jesus said in St. John 5, beginning with the 33rd verse. He sent unto John, and he bare witness of the truth. I want you to notice now, catch these words close to reading of this word just before. This he said in the 30th chapter, I can, 31st chapter, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. See? All praise given to the Father. Now he said you sent to John, and he bare record of the truth. But I receive not testimony from man. But these things that I say that you might be saved, he was a burning and a shining light. And you were willing for a season to rejoice in his life. In whose life? John's life. What life he was bringing you were willing to rejoice? Listen. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father has given unto me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. God's the vindication of him. Listen. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. Now, in the John, the 16th chapter, I want to read some more. Beginning with the 28th verse, his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. 
Here's what I want you to get to now. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things. And that no, and needest not that any man should teach thee. By this we believe that thou comest forth from God. Listen. Because Jesus knew these things and spoke them to the people, they said, Now you're speaking where we can understand. He knew what the woman's sin was. He knew where the thief had a corn in his mouth. When Philip came, he knew, or Nathaniel, he knew where he was at under a tree, praying before Philip found him. He said, By this, that's no proverb. He said, By this we believe that you come out from God. Look at Jesus, the 31st verse. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? May the Lord add his blessing to his word. May I say this, as our Lord said it, Do ye now believe? Do ye now? The gospel has been preached. The sick has been made well. Signs and wonders of supernatural power has moved through the audience, performing things that beyond any comprehension of the human mind. Jesus Christ proving himself in the resurrection of the saints yesterday, today, and forever. Knowing the thoughts of the people are sincere indeed. Not only that, but souls have been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Confirmation of the Word. All these things together, do you now believe? Believe that he has risen from the dead and living among us tonight? The same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you now believe that he's not a respected person? He heals the Spanish, he heals the white, he heals the Indian. He shows visions to the Spanish, to the white, to the Indian. To those who even speak their language, those who have another kind of language, and those who have another language. So God is God over every person, every color, every race, every language. He's God. Raised from the dead. Living among us. No respect of person. Neither male nor female. They're all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, isn't that lovely? Here tonight. By faith, I say this. By faith, I believe tonight that you'll see visibly in this audience the moving of the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus Christ, showing signs and wonders. Without a doubt, the same Holy Spirit doing the same thing. Now when Jesus is here on earth, he did not claim to be a healer, he didn't claim to be a great person. <clears throat> he said, of myself, I can do nothing. Is that right? I only do what the Father shows me to do. What I see the Father doing, that I do also. Is that right? Now, no prophet and no, no one, even the Lord Jesus, never at any time ever performed a miracle or done anything without first God showing or advising him to do it. Look at the great prophet Elijah. Someone come out long ago. Someone had criticized me in the paper. And a man that was with me said, Brother Ben, 
I'd go out there and put a curse on that table. The whole crowd church. Jesus said, I never come to destroy people, I come to save people. They criticize them. That's all right. That don't hurt me. That's the best drawing card I got. That's right. I get all that publicity free. We don't have to pay for it. For what money we pay for that, we take it over to the nation and overseas. <laughs> that don't hurt. That's good. Everybody cannot see what all the trouble's about. <laughs> then we get it free. So they would just do a favor not knowing it, see? So he said, we need another Elijah. We'll come out on Mount Carmel and said, now I dare you come out here. I said, well, wait just a minute, brother. Said, Elijah, never waiting for no vision. Only thing you need is go out there and do it. I said, I'll beg your pardon, brother. You're a scholar, but you're a long ways off the track right there. When Elijah called out there on the day at Mount Carmel, he laid those things together and walked out there and he said, Lord, I did all this at your word. that right? Sure. Always. At your word. Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself, but what I see the Father doing, I do the same thing he showed me. Is that right? St. John 5, 19. So the Father worketh, I work at the other two. In other words, all the ways of the supernatural, and no flesh can glory in the presence of God, so we just wait. Now, some men don't see vision. Some go by inspiration of uh, resentment. The Holy Spirit says to a, a pastor, move to this other church over here. Though he don't get the money, they're there, but they're in need. I want you over there. He don't wait for vision because that's not his ministry. He just goes over there. It's God just as much as it would be in the vision. Thanks. All right. Others go by something else. But all together is the working of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord bless you. Now look, Christian, my dear little children in Christ, my lovely one, I hate to leave you tonight, honest, I do. I don't have to say that, but I really wish that I had a couple more weeks and things. But I, I just, just got the meeting so set, just pushing a day here and a day there and a day like that. So I've just got to hurry just as quick as I can get home and start right off again. If nothing happens on one morning, and start right off that afternoon. So at the beginning of the very next day. So you pray for me, will you? And uh, perhaps I won't see you no more, I guess, until I come back from overseas. But uh, maybe it's an order, maybe to tell that season. I promise you I would. I've got it written here in the Bible. And here's what will take place. The angel of the Lord has come to me and told me to return to Africa. And he set me down in Africa and showed me a greater meaning than was there at the first time. Then while I was standing there, while another angel come down from the heaven, he looked like some sort of a red-like garment. But he was above me and he, he turned me to the east and I've seen all the African people here. The African people were sturdy, heavy built. But these were skin-like people. Looked like they had a like a, a blanket around them and had been pulled up and stuffed down like this. And uh, I couldn't recognize them. But oh, they were so many more than they was of these African people. And this angel above me turned on a great oscillating light. And it began to show back like that. And just as far as I could see was nothing but people. And as though they were hills and valleys. And they looked like Indians. And then when this angel above me spoke to the angel, always with me at my side, the big fellow, 
honey dark complexion, hair down to his shoulders, holding his arms. He was standing here by my side. I heard him tell this one standing by me, and the voice was so strong that it brought me out of vision, said there's 300,000 of those in that meeting. Mark that down, say, that's saying the Lord. Before it comes to that. When the Archbishop of India came to my place recently and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Archbishop Polera, he said, Brother Graham, the way they're looking for you there, so that meant converts. <laughs> said, I'll assure you there'll be anywhere from a half to a million people in your congregation. He said, all India's away. And with this vision to back it up, watch what our Lord will do. I'm expecting a half a million converts in my journey. We go to Africa, to India, to Palestine, to Luxembourg, and Frankfurt, back to London, and then back home, and then down in South um, Australia, New Zealand, and down in there. Uh, perhaps maybe you'll get to see you after I come back overseas. I want to ask you now. When the when the way is going dark in Africa and India, remember, when you go to India, you just believe anything. Trick workers, all kinds of things. It was the same way in Africa. Don't you think those witch doctors won't challenge you? They sure will. But I have never seen a time when a half a dozen stand before me at one time to watch Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come in power. I've never been scared. Never in my life. Because I know he was the one who sent me. It's up to him to take care of me. That's right. And when the way's getting dark over there, I'll close my eyes and remember that through this beautiful sunshine valley of peace, I've got thousands of people praying for me. And I, I feel secure that your prayers are wrapping me up. And may God be with you. If Santa Love, you have to send off the glory before we meet again. God be with you. I'll meet you there by God's grace. At that great day, where we won't be praying for the sick or neither preaching the gospel, we'll be shouting your praises of the land. God bless you. I want to pray and pray for these angels. Our kind Heavenly Father, as we have gathered here in this building for the farewell meeting of this campaign, O great Jehovah God, we thank thee for every soul that was saved. We thank thee for everyone you give the Holy Spirit to them that renew their vow. We thank thee for every healing that you give to the people. Seeing their testimonies come in by letters from the beginning of the week as they went home, find out that tumors are missing, cancers have come up gone, their doctors pronounce them well. We're so thankful, Father, and may everyone that even enter the doors of the campaign, may every one of them be healed. Grant it, Lord. And now, I pray that you'll bless us together tonight in the closing of this meeting, and may the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ rest upon your humble servant, that the people might take heed and know that I have told them the truth, and by this they will believe. Bless these handkerchiefs, Father, as I lay hands upon them needy people. Just look to here. Come, Lord Jesus, and take us out of this pet house. <laughs> oh, God. Let thy mercy be with these people. Some of them are, are Indian friends, some Spanish, some white, some colored. Oh, God, wherever they are, whoever they are, they're your people. 
Now I pray that you'll deliver every one of them. May thy grace and blessings, that if I have found favor in your sight, answer my prayer, God. And I pray with the deepest of sincerity that you will heal every person these packages touch. Grant it, God. May it be done for God's glory in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And in the little mix-up, if some of them have not, get your anxious. Just write to me and I'll send you one. God bless you. Now, just a testimony. So we can start. I want to call just as many as I can to the platform. I've got about ten minutes now for time to call. Just a little testimony. If you notice, I haven't given one testimony since I've been here because I've kept it all in preaching of the Word. Well, Mr. Baxter, the man that sometimes is with me, they do the preaching, and I just come in and testify. Now, usually, when you're anointed, leaving home with that spirit on you, when you come in and go to preaching, then the first thing you know, you're in a different attitude. Now, then again, that kind of hinders the meeting a little bit as far as that part. But yet I've appreciated the opportunity to speak to you. Now, I want to kind of give a testimony many thousands of testimonies. My, how, if I would stand right here for the next three weeks in this platform, five hours a day, I could still be testifying of what I've seen our Lord Jesus do. That's right. Of incredible, almost miracle, how that God has performed such great things. Not me now. How God has performed. See? There's no man that can perform these miracles. Jesus could not do them himself, only as God let him know how to do it and what to do. Now, God was in. God was the one who done the work. Now notice. But now I want to give a little testimony. I don't know what to start on. I'm kind of wondering, passing through my mind, what to say. Well, here's one. And then just a few moments, we get the field of the meeting. Then we're going to call for this prayer of mine. And when you tonight, by God's help, promise me that you're going to throw every speck of faith you can right into the Calvary tonight for your healing. Do that. Now, I just left Chicago a few weeks ago, and I come home, and being so tired, I could hardly get up. And at home, bless their hearts, the people come, you can't turn them down, have to get there, so you just... It just had the minister's arms up there. We haven't eaten one time in our house. We've been living five years with the shades up. That's right. My wife, I guess they introduced her tonight here that was going to. She's 34 years old and almost completely gray, as you know. If there's any credit to be given to the Branham family, it doesn't come to me. Give it to her. She's the one who stood between me and the door. Helping the people. Doing all that we can. Bless her heart. May God give her a peace in, uh, in the kingdom of God. Only a preacher can already realize what a preacher's wife goes through. You know it, brother. I'm so glad God gives us to help me, aren't you? <laughs> yes, sir. A man's got a good, loyal wife, ought to be so true and loyal to her. And she's got a good husband, ought to be the same way. Look at the world today, how it is the chaos. So when we, I come home, I went out to an old friend by the name of George Wright. 
down at Country Royal Church in Carter, you've heard that in the book, of course, their testimony. The best person I ever seen, even sinner than Florence Nightingale, when she was healed. But Georgie only was a little woman to begin with. She weighed about 35 pounds. You've heard her testimony. Laid there nine years, eight months, never moved off the bed. And an hour from then, she was in the yard, praising, leaping, shouting, giving God glory. She's my pianist in the Milltown Baptist Church at Milltown, Indiana, tonight. Never been to bed on you to go to sleep at night since. And been there nine years, eight months, couldn't even move. Couldn't even raise her steering up to sit in. Her limbs up here, her hips, was over that big around. If you'd seen that skeleton come from the bed and go into the yard and sit down and bless the knees and was sitting at the organ playing Jesus, keep me near the cross, when her father come in and sings with a bucket of milk in his hand. Right. Then that thing, she went to a church that didn't leave the days of miracles of past. And they said if I ever entered their doors, that they'd be put out of the church. So everybody's done told not to let me come in. But Jesus sent me down there, and I went in. She warned me to do, and God healed her. And now, whole family still with the Holy Ghost. So that's different now. So I went out to Mr. Rice, a dear old friend of mine, 70 some years old. And my wife, being with me in the meeting, we didn't know that this condition existed. And so when I went down there, I found him with a blood clot in the back of both of his legs, and especially to been out there, way out in the country where it is, and said he only had about three or four days to live. That the blood clot of the hardening of the artery was, as soon as the blood clot was in his joints of disease, and as soon as it let loose, it would go to his heart, it would kill him instantly, it went to his brain, it was paralyzed. No hope at all, especially. Well, I happened to find that news when I went in and he was laying on the bed with his hand up crying. And I was an old brother Brandon. We tried to get to Chicago. They sent telegrams, but I never did get them. So they, I went in, saw across the old man praying, asking God to let him live. And I stayed there that day about, about two or three days, praying for the man every day. And I was trying to relax every morning. I'd get up. Go out, get my old shotgun, go up on the hill and sit like a scary rabbit. I come back down, pray for him. Go back out, find <coughs> People begin to find out I was over there. <coughs> so I went back next day and there's about eight or ten callers sitting out there. So I couldn't look the house back at the time. So then the next, my wife called and said, Honey, I hate to call you, but said, you're just going to have to come home because a missionary to the Jews, a very fine Christian woman. She lives in Lowell, going to be in Palestine at the same time that I'm over there. And she's a very noted woman. <clears throat> a graduate of Moody Bible from Chicago. And a fine woman, a strict believer in divine healing, goddess healer, and done many things in her family. And she, her daughter was in the hospital and the doctors would give her up for some kind of a poisoning from childbirth, and she was lame dying. The whole Baptist hospital staff in Louisville, Kentucky, which is a great hospital, I forget how many hundreds of rooms it's got in it. One of the best medical staff there is in the nation, I suppose, at this big hospital. Many of you here from Louisville know where that's in the Broadway up there. And so, then she was laying there, and James C. Robertson, 
a great Christian attorney, internationally known, very close friend of Kenneth Corsi in England, which is bringing me over to England this time, writes the, uh, like a reader's digest, goes all over the world. And he went up there and his father was one of the presidents on the staff and they've done everything and got every doctor they could for this woman because he was a personal friend of Mrs. Baker also, a uh, girl's mother. So I went home, when I left, the right family gave crying to Brother Bram, Brother Shelby went out with me, his son, about 40 years old, he said, Brother Bram, what do you think about Dan? You think he's going to die? I said, yes, Shelby, I'll believe your daddy's going to die. He said, Brother, I, I need to give that up. Your little sister came over and said, Brother Bram, what do you think of daddy? I said, I believe he's going down. I said, I believe he's going home to meet the Lord. Of course, we know Christians don't die. There's no such a scripture in the Bible. Christians don't die. They just go to meet with the Lord. Now I said, he's 72 years old. God promised him 70. Now he's 72. And he's been a healthy, strong man. But now his time's come. His doctor's been here and said he was dying, and the blood clot looks like it's swelling up in his body now. Perhaps he's lived longer now than the doctor did him to live, but I've asked God. God never said a word to me, so I suppose God is going to take him. I said, he's a Christian, ready to go, so there's nothing. He's lived his life, so I guess God will take him. That's all I knew. So they was crying, of course. I had a farewell prayer for him. Went on home. Thank you, brother. Went on home. And when I got home that night, that afternoon, I went over to the Baptist Hospital, and as soon as I got over there, there her, her son-in-law, the mother, the, the old mother, her son-in-law, he was a Catholic. And after marrying this girl, had changed churches and become a Protestant. And the, his mother's people were Catholic yet, so they sent for the priest to come and anoint the woman for death, just for consolation for the family. So it has, so has to be the Irish priest and I met there at the same time. I said, now just a moment, I have no disregard for any man's religion as far as I'm concerned, but if, let me go in first. If, Brother, the priest is going in there to anoint her for death. I'm going in to anoint her for life. I said, we can't get this mixed up. But I said, if you will, let me pronounce life on her first. So they let me go in. That way I went in there was a group of people standing there. She's coming in a coma, swollen way up her eyes and everything, some kind of a poison that comes from childbirth that they could do nothing with. So the, the medical science. Well, I went in and asked to be in the room along with her. I stood there. I said, Sister, do you remember me? And she tried to open her eyes. She said, Who is it? And I said, Brother Branham. And she started crying, tears washing eyes, swollen face, young woman, about 22. And she said, Oh, Brother Branham, shake my hand, shake my hand. I said, Now, just don't be hysterically, Sister, dear. See? And I told her over her hand. I said, I come to ask for her. She said, oh, I just, I said, now, be quiet, be quiet. They don't get all uh, emotional. Wait for God, he doesn't get emotional. And so I said, come silent, sanely, listening and out. So 
I laid my hands upon her and asked our dear Lord Jesus that he would heal her. I prayed for her, walked back from the bed, and was going to leave. I picked up my overcoat and hat, and when I turned around, up over that bed was that pillar of fire moving around and around. I knew he was going to say something. Now, I hadn't started anything for about a week or ten days since I left the Chicago meeting. There it was moving on. I stood still. I seen what he said. I walked over to the bed and I said, My dear sister, though you know your condition, she said, Yes, Brother Brandon. She said, I pray that God will show you me. And I said, He has. And I have thus said for I said, In about six or eight hours, they're going to put a pull motor here to try to bring you to. Because you're going to go into a coma. But you're no more than going into it just a second to you're coming out of it. And I said, In the Walked up to me, put his arms around me for just a minute. He said, Brother Brennan, now you're going to say, Thus saith the Lord in 36 hours, my life will be home. I said, If it is, I'm a false prophet. He said, Brother Brennan, my little baby had club feet. You prayed for her a dozen times, I guess. We had to all pray for him. One day, one was in the room that's packed full of people. You saw a baby and said, Thus saith the Lord in 24 hours, your baby's feet will be straight. So the next morning when I went to the crib, the baby's feet were straight and it's been straight ever since. That was one of the things. And he said, If you say, Thus saith the Lord, my wife is going home in 36 hours, I'm not even going to the room and go get my hat and go home and clean up work for it. If that isn't true, then I'm a false prophet. Just remember that thus saith the Lord. Now, if it happened the way he went, I'll come back outside downstairs with the fellow by the name of my guy. The guy electric company in Jefferson. It was at the bottom of the set. His top man in electricity, his mother had just been opened up at Frankfort, Kentucky with the cancer to the didn't even store up. She was 61 years old. He opened her up, and they're just so full of malignancy. They just pulled her together and taped her, laid her back on the bed, and said, She's going to die. Brother Max said, Brother Bill, surely you'll get there about 70 miles from home. But I know you're tired, honey, but I'll. Oh, if you don't know, I said, I'll go. So we got his car, and away we went. And I went to the woman's place, had prayer for her, started out of the hospital, somebody put their hand on her shoulder, it was a little nurse, and she was crying. She said, Preacher, I've always believed that I was healed over when those things come back to Bible days again. That's the first time I ever heard of it. But could I believe what you asked God in there, God would? I said, Well, bless your heart, sister. Why do you ask of God? She said, I'm not sick myself. But I said, what should I ask God for you? She said, nothing, but let me be a Christian like that too. And I said, well, God damn it to you, sister. And I went out, went out home. I got in around about 5 o'clock in the morning. Two calls of people sat before the door. Asked prayer for them, went to the bed, slept for about 9 o'clock. I got up and started out of the house. Started out of the room, pardon me, into the hall. Leaped out into another room. And I started out as a... I put on my bathroom and started out. Sunny in the room was a very attractive young woman. I never thought of a thing. I said, Good morning. What are you doing here? And 
You never said a thing to just turn your head. Said, Mother, that's just the way I expected it. And when I looked over sideways, I read it was a vision. There stood that gray-headed woman, 61 years old, with cancer, or had cancer, standing by a phone, having a conversation over the phone with some of the same thing that against her kitchen cat in the home. I said, Look at that. I said, Well, that's the woman that I prayed for last night. And just I heard something pop, dropping, dropping. I looked around, I seen a willow tree. And there was great big yellow clouds that clay dropping. And I heard the angel of the Lord and say, That's that is the Lord. The people who are laughing and it's right, he will dig their grave. Oh, 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 What a feeling. The next Sunday, following Sunday, the woman was home doing her work just as normally and well as she ever could be. Staff of the old Baptist staff there, or, I mean, the staff of the hospital, the Samaritan hospital it was in Frankfurt. Staff of all of them, how she got one, they couldn't find any other cancer. You know what the doctor said when I asked him? He said, you know, I must have been mistaken. <laughs> must have been mistaken. Then some of these others must have been mistaken. That's something. All right. And Mr. Wright, I called up and I said, I have just said the Lord. said, Brother Brown, he's almost paralyzed this morning. I said, Brother Wright, or dig the grave that those who are laughing at him. And I don't know if he's a grave digger, but he was. And on the second wave of blood clots breath, they couldn't find a trace of him anywhere. And Mr. Wright's time and time was his time. And perfectly normally well. Oh, 
Then he is raised from the dead, and he said, Now, what if Jesus was standing here before the woman? Now, he couldn't tell her, I'll heal you, because he's already did that, if that's what she needs. If she needs finances, he, he's her finances. He, she needs a Savior, he's her Savior. Whatever she has need of, Jesus Christ can supply that need, and has supplied it. The only thing he could do if he was standing here would be tell her what her need was, like did the woman at the well. Here to begin with tonight is a perfect picture of Jesus at, at that time at the well. Now, not me, but him, see? She is a, a Spanish woman, and I'm Irish. What a difference. All right. Notice those people came from the same line from Ireland. But here we are standing two just like Samaritans and Jews that night. Now, see, uh, if I have told the truth that Jesus raised from the dead and promised the things that he did, we you do all say and I claim that when I was born, no religion at all. My people before me from Ireland, of course, were Catholic. But my family had no religion at all. In the very morning when I was born, three minutes old, when they opened a little window, not the kind you had here in Phoenix, no, a little wooden door, just pushed it open. This jelly fire that you see here from right in hung over where I was playing. The first thing I can remember is seeing a vision. See, nothing that I've done. God just let me come on this earth to do this work for him. I'm only doing my duty to God. See? Nothing. Or me, it's for you. Now, if he's standing here the same yesterday and forever, he'll know it. Now, lady, I just want to look at you just a moment to speak with you. Just to contact your spirit. And to, uh, to see what the Lord would tell me. Of course, you know I've been stalling for something. It's anointing up the knees of the Lord. Because if he doesn't come, then I know nothing. But when he comes, he knows all things. If he will by his grace let me know what's wrong with you, you will accept your healing or whatever it is. Is that right? There you
की बात कर रहे हैं यू आर वेरी अबाउट समबारी टू यस यू आर कैंसर डोंट यू लिव यू एम नाउ बैक सुपीरियर इज आर राइट
for that little nugget. That's somewhere they got a Sunday Air Force, hasn't That's right. Stand up. You're thinking about it in London yet. About healing just then. You'll hear from it. God bless you. Go down and be in We are strangers to each other, our relations. I don't know you, but God does know you. You believe me to be his prophet or his, you know, to see? A prophet is a preacher that I might sometimes just speak to the outline. We are strangers to each other, aren't we? I don't think I ever seen you. But you're having some trouble and uh, some examination as shows they're looking around on the back at the hospital clinic or some kind of an x-ray thing. It's a floating kidney and cancer also. I have seen now look at the other doctor Chucky Taylor. Isn't that true? You believe Jesus is going to make you well? Kind Heavenly Father, as I hold my hands against your body, Mother's got TV, hasn't she? Is that right? You will 
repent and believe, you shall receive what you've asked for. You can believe it.
I see you again turning away from a table and you've got an ulcer in your stomach. Is that right? You should have. You have it now. Go on. You see, lady, the most serious disease in the world, heart trouble you had. Go home now and you may well. You believe your name is God's servant? You got a coughing condition which makes it arithmetic. Go home and believe God. All right. You believe your name with all your heart? Pardon? Got anemia condition. Isn't that right? And you're not a Christian. You've been thinking about becoming a Christian. What about doing it right now? And God will take you to Calvary and give you a blood transfusion from his son. Will you take him as your Savior?